Destiny Moments with Angel Murchison. Today on the broadcast, I have Rebecca Shaw and Carrie Bradstreet from the Hope and Justice Project here in Presque Isle, Maine. Thanks for joining me today, ladies. Thanks for having us. Well, we know October is Domestic Violence Month, and we know that God is not happy about violence. Talk to me today a little bit, uh, Rebecca, about uh, domestic violence. So it's a, it's a very uh, big problem around the world. Uh, one in four women and one in seven men experience domestic violence at some point in their life. And uh, we see that in Christian homes as well. Well, we know that it's not acceptable. Abuse is about control. It's not an anger issue. Talk to me about that. Yeah, commonly people will think that abuse is about losing control of anger. And it's actually a very different problem. It's the opposite. Abuse is about trying to control trying to control another person. It's all about control. While in anger management, a loss of control is is the opposite issue that we're referring to. Now we see domestic violence in marriages all across this globe, and we know that um, that's not acceptable. Talk to me about how that, how that role plays within a marriage. Yes, so often uh, we'll see, it's, it's most often women are the, are the victims of the violence. And often we'll see that, um, that women are expected to, their, their voice gets lost in the marriage. When the two become one, her voice goes away. And that's and it's supposed to be that both of them are together, being able to to share and based in mutual respect. And domestic violence is is about not having respect for your partner. Now we know that we cannot be silent anymore on this issue. We've seen many um, we've seen many women and men uh, lose their lives over issues of domestic violence and we do have a voice and it is time to I like to say blow the trumpet um, if we know the truth about something we want everyone to know and the truth is that it's not acceptable that people are valued every life is valued and there is a destiny for for every individual um, Carrie talk to me a little bit about the faith part of it, uh, how does faith play a role in domestic violence? Um, we support what each person, when they walk in the door, what their beliefs are and what they um, find as a support system. And oftentimes um, a faith community is a support to the people that we help. And if that's what they're um, looking at for support, then we support them in that. And will help them, you know, find like oftentimes they can't go to the church that they have been attending previously because they fled the area for their safety. So we'll help them find a local church um, or a community or um, faith members, uh, somebody to be that support for them, and um, give them any resources that we have. We have the Keeping the Faith books um, that is for faith-based. Um, survivors that they can read. Um, it's a resource and we'll just connect them to any resources that we possibly can um, and support in their faith. 
And so often clergy people really want to be helpful, and often they are, but sometimes they don't have, clergy people often do not have training in domestic violence. So they want to help, but might not know the right, the right way or the proper, the proper way to provide options um, and connect people to resources that could be helpful. And that's how we can come in and help. So we can incorporate someone's faith in their church and, and also incorporate, this is how we've seen so many people safety plan and, and be able to achieve their own goals. When someone leaves their home, when a woman leaves her home, they've, they feel like they have lost everything. And so um, keeping that peace, I think, is vital because women ask, where is God? Where, where is the God that I've been serving all these years? Where is he in this crisis? Can you expound upon that? Yeah, we hear that a lot. We hear people ask, where, where is God? And a really great um, training tool that we use talks about faith and domestic violence. And what one survivor said is she said, I asked that question for a long time. And it wasn't until she was able to escape that she felt and realized that God had been there the whole time. There had been many times where he could have killed her and he did not. And she realized that God had been there to keep her alive and to connect her with people who believed her and who, and who could help. What would you say to a woman today that is trapped, or a man that's trapped in this cycle? Um, how would they reach out to you? Yeah, there are many ways to, to reach out to a domestic violence project all around the world. Uh, and it really is about whatever is safe for, for them to do. Domestic Violence Resource Centers, they have, um, there's national numbers, there are, um, there's online resources, and really it's whatever the person is comfortable with. If they're comfortable with sharing their entire story with someone, they can do so. If they just want to call anonymously and say, um, you know, I'm experiencing something and I just kind of want to talk about it, we're really here to, we're not here to pressure or to force anyone to do anything. We're here to try to, to, try to help them however they want help. I'm looking at the power and control cycle um, from physical violence, um, sexual. Talk to me a little bit about that power and control. Yes, so it's, it's a resource called the Power and Control Wheel and it was put together by survivors. And it's, it's a really great tool that is very validating to survivors often. And at the center of it is it says power and control. And earlier we had talked about that anger is, is not the issue. It's about this, this um, entitlement to have power and control and that's what's at the center of that wheel. And so around, around the wheel there's spokes and in between the spokes are what are um, referred to as tactics. And those are different tactics that are used to uh, establish the power and control. Um, and those include um, potentially using the children, minimizing the abuse, um, using coercion and threats, emotional abuse. And some, some people experience all of those things. Some people experience just a few. And on the outside of the wheel, it says physical and sexual violence. And on the outside, it's on the outside of the wheel because it's what holds everything together. It's, it's what's considered the ultimate threat. Because if someone who is abusive sees that the tactics in between the spokes are not working, that's when they escalate to physical or sexual violence. 
Well, we know that we want to, to make aware that there is help, there is a way of escape, and uh, even in the faith community, uh, we see this. Um, it's in every church, it's in every community. Yes. What would you say to um, an individual that maybe I've heard and I've experienced that myself, well, we're going to believe for a miracle um, in your situation. Um, talk to me about that. Carrie, what do you say about that? Um, ultimately, yes, in the Christian faith, we're to believe in miracles and we're to believe, um, you know, have that belief and have the faith. Um, sometimes it takes that person who's going to validate what they're hearing, to validate that survivor, that victim that's coming to them, and just saying, I hear you, I understand, what can we do? And then connecting them to a resource center, the Domestic Violence Resource Center, or to any other type of resource. Um, oftentimes we hear survivors tell their story and say that they went to um, the faith, like they went to their church leaders or to the clergy and said, you know, this, and they said, pray more, we'll pray more for you. And yes, ultimately God can give us the belief that we need and the faith that we need and miracles can happen, but sometimes we need outside resources too. And he gives us the strength to journey through it. It takes two willing people. It takes willing individuals to change. And um, quite often you'll find that where uh, people want to, to remain the same, that they don't, they don't want to change. Those, um, it costs them to change. Mm -hmm. So um, in that situation, I believe with all of my heart that God is saying, um, here is your way of escape. He said in his word that he has a way of escape. And I believe that he gives that. Now it brings me to the point that uh, statistics say that women leave seven times before they finally break free. Why is that? There's a lot of reasons for that, um, and, and no one reason would be the right answer for everyone, but there are a lot of reasons why people decide, ultimately, that it's more safe for them to stay. And, and that's really up to the person to, to, up to the person in the situation to know whether or not it's more safe for them. When you're with someone for a very long time, your, your life really becomes one with theirs. And getting untangled from that in situations where, where one person isn't abusing the other one is a very complicated and difficult process. And so if you add on top of that someone who is abusive, someone who wants to maintain this control, it can be impossible for someone or feel nearly impossible for someone to leave. And so that's another thing that domestic violence resource centers um, don't do, is we don't say you have to leave. Because sometimes it's not safe for the person to leave. Sometimes it's, it, what is safest for them is to, is to safety plan the best that they can within the context of their relationship. And really it's about survival. And, and that's, what, that's, what we, that's what we try to do. And so sometimes people leave and decide that they, sometimes people leave and they decide that they um, really love the person and they, they want, they hope that they will change, they hope that they will stop abusing them and they want to go back and, and see if that happens. And, that, and that's okay, it's, it's, their, it's their life and we just try to 
help them plan for safety in the best way that we can. Sometimes it's like the financial control. Mm -hmm. You know, they haven't been allowed to have any finances um, throughout the marriage or throughout the relationship. And so they absolutely have nothing when they walk out. So how are they going to survive? How are they going to um, help their children survive? You know, they're stepping out with one, two children, and now they're homeless. They have no income. They have no job. You know, they have been isolated for so long that it's scary for them to take that step. And so they may step away and then come back, but each time they've stepped away, they get a little bit more education and a little bit more courage and a little bit more strength underneath of them. And it could be that they haven't worked for a decade or more. It could be that just those logistics are, are those are a huge thing for so many people. Um, sometimes it's not the emotional component, like you mm -hmm. said, sometimes it, it's just... It's money, it's, it's the ability to feel like that they can do it on their own, and sometimes that, that takes time to figure out the right way to do it. What would you say to uh, someone today that has made the decision to stay in the relationship? Um, what is some of the, the safety planning for that? What does that look like? Yeah, and, and that's another thing that's, that's really different for everyone. And there are basic things that we, try to, um, that, that we try to establish with someone who's deciding to stay, especially if the, if the abuse they're experiencing is physical. And, that, and that, that can look like a lot of different things. That can look like um, having a plan with a neighbor. Having a have or having a having a, a certain safety word that they say when they call someone that they know that something is is wrong. That might be if it's possible having a bank account that their partner doesn't know about, so they can put a little bit of money away. But each situation is so different. Um, what what might work for one person might not necessarily work for another. So by uh, contacting like Hope and Justice and other agencies, you would sit down and develop a safety plan best uh, for that individual. Yes, yes. And you do include and, and keep what is important to them as far as their faith mm -hmm. and family and okay. So it's not they're just not having to leave everything behind. Right, right. That's great. Um, I wanted to ask you about. Um, I know in, in the Christian community, um, divorce um, is really frowned upon, but I remember writing a, a post one day, God, are you bigger than divorce? He is. <laughs> um, he, he's bigger than divorce, isn't he? Yes, and, and so often women will say that they don't want to break the covenant of their marriage by, by leaving, and really what, what we talk to them about is that God calls upon his people to, to not hurt one another as well. And that when violence is introduced into the marriage, that's when the covenant is broken. Not when, not when the, the survivor decides that she needs to leave. Well, we know love is the greatest gift. It's a fruit of the Spirit, but it's also the greatest. And without love, we have nothing. And so if there isn't that mutual love, and respect in a relationship, then again, we're back to you have really nothing. Mm -hmm. um, what are some other nuggets that you want to share with the listeners today? A really good way that we've seen to determine if 
the clergy people that you that you often are in contact with are going to be supportive or not mm-hmm. is by if you go and you talk to them and you start to talk about your story or maybe you separate it and say I have a friend who's experiencing this if you just share a little bit of information and see what the response is and if the response is something that makes you feel good makes you feel validated makes you feel listened to then maybe it's safe for you to share more but it might be that the person that you're talking to, your pastor or, or someone, someone within the church, might not be the best person to help you. And so we've often seen that that's, that that's a good way to see, is to kind of test the waters a little bit. And it doesn't mean that they don't want to help if the experience, if, if they don't respond in a, in a helpful way. It might just be that someone else might be better fit to do so. I agree with that. I had... I had been in a service and this gentleman that moved in a prophetic gifting came to me and said, you've been done wrong with a capital W. <clears throat> but it wasn't because of the people did not like me or they didn't love me. It was because they didn't have the knowledge. Yes. They were not um, educated in this area. Um, and so it was, you do get wrong counsel at times. So it is, um, it is true what you said, Rebecca, is very important to know. Um, and there is, there's great wisdom in several counsel, you know, getting, getting a number of, of counsels. So Absolutely. if you go to one and you'll know, I, I always say go with your gut. You know what, what, um, what feels right. Um, you know, that to that woman that is being pushed down the stairs, that's not acceptable. And to that woman that is um, being belittled and called names, that's not acceptable. And it's time, I really believe that it's time that the church arise and, and look at the issues within the body of Christ. It doesn't matter what denomination, it doesn't matter what church you attend, um, God is God, and he, he created us to be loved. He is love. He's all about love. Um, talk to me a little bit, Carrie, about the love of God. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it's indescribable. I mean, there's, it's designed for each person individually, um, and you have to experience it to know it. But it's unconditional. And it's unconditional as like the services and stuff that Hope and Justice provides as well. There's no conditions when you walk in our door if we're going to help you or not. Same as the love of Christ, it's he's going to love you no matter what. We're going to help you, we're going to provide, you know, resources for you, we're going to, you know, support you in any way that you want. And that's the exact same thing that he does for us. That's great. We know that people need hope today. We see people all around us losing hope. And we know that he is our hope. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that we do have this Hope and Justice uh, project in place here. And I know that, that um, God is using it and will continue to because it is his plan that no one, um, that no one be abused. He... He paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we could live. And if I read my Bible correctly, and I know I do, John 10, 10 says, he has come to give us life and life more abundantly. 
and, and abuse and being uh, abused is not the abundant life. And so um, today I strongly um, take a stand against it and I know that you ladies do too. We want to see the love of God um, spread across our community and that looks, like you said, different for everyone. Everyone has a right to believe what they want and what they choose, but we want them to be safe mm -hmm. and we want them to know that there is always um, hope. Well, let's touch on I, I, whatever is done in the dark is brought to the light. And I know that oppression is, is hidden. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. Yes, yeah, so domestic violence is a form of oppression. It is one person feeling entitled to have control over the other. And often that oppression, like you said, is hidden. And so so many people feel as if they won't be believed if they're told. Or they feel like that this is their cross to bear. And that's simply not true. And it says in this, in this verse, and it talks about this angel, I'm not sure if you want to, want to address that. It says, In righteousness shalt thou be established, thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Behold, they shall surely gather together, and not by me. Whoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the water to destroy. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and the righteousness as of me, saith the Lord. That's from Isaiah 54. And so some people might feel as if the person that's hurting them is, is the weapon formed against them. And that can be a confusing place when that person that's hurting you is also the person you love. And it can be very hard to try to make sense of that. And so really, we're here so that someone knows that no matter how they feel as they work out this confusing situation is okay. And that it's, it's not their fault and that it isn't something that that... God wants for them and that that we believe them and then we believe that what they've experienced this oppression that they've experienced we believe we believe their story that's great everyone needs a safe place to go and to be heard and to feel accepted and to feel the love of God I want to um, ask you on that note there's many lies that we believe, but it's because of things that we've heard or we saw. Um, and so it's tearing down those mindsets, tearing down those lies. I think one of the greatest uh, things that we've discovered through this is its lack of knowledge. That um, the Bible is very clear, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And it is hard to look at situations, even within the faith community, to say that really goes on, because it's not, um, it's no respecter of persons. It could be the pastor, it could be the deacon, it could be the radio talk show host, it could be, it could be anyone. Um, but God 
he 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 says no weapon formed against us will ever prosper and i like that but i think it makes me think of of how women believe that um, on a spiritual journey that if they become more spiritual that their husband becomes that weapon i i get that uh, rebecca that how a lie that the enemy um, uses them but God has come to set us free. According to the scriptures in John 8, 36, he said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And we're supposed to be living free, um, like a bird. You know, you look at a child, a young child when they're first born, and I mean, they're just living life. They're, they're free, they're happy. That's joy. That's what we're supposed to have. We're supposed to be joyous, loving, dancing people, right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean... It doesn't mean that you don't love the person if you can't stay with them. It doesn't mean that you didn't try your hardest to become as spiritual as you could be. It, it just might mean, and it doesn't mean that leaving doesn't mean that you have to stop loving them either. It might just mean that it's safer for you to love them from a distance. Right. That's good. Well, um, Carrie, anything else you'd like to say um, today before we... And the program, is there any anything else that you'd like to say? Um, that people can call anonymously. Um, they can call a domestic violence resource center in another state. They can only share what they want to share. Anything else you want to add to that? Like I said, our services are completely confidential, so we can't release any information unless you know you've signed a release for us to do so. Um, so what you say stays with us. It's a safe place. And I guess I just want that message to be out there to clergy and to um, the faith community, uh, the Christian community. If someone approaches you, um, you know, to start talking about what they're going through um, and you're not equipped and don't have enough knowledge or resources, um, that we're here. And we do uh, work with each person individually and based on what their needs are and what they want for supports. Uh, so we're really trying to collaboratively work with the community and work with um, our Christian community, our faith-based community, and support all needs of all victims and all survivors. And it, it makes sense that someone would call us and or call any domestic violence resource center, and maybe they do so anonymously, and they share a little bit of information, just like I encourage people to do with their clergy, and, and see if the experience for them is helpful. And if it's not, it might be that, we're, that the person that they spoke to might not be the right fit for them. We hope that it is, that the first person that they talked to was helpful, and it might not be. But that doesn't mean that every person at every domestic violence resource center might not, might not be the right fit. There, there might just be, it might take a little bit of time to find someone that you feel can help you the best. And that's okay. That's great. Well, thank you, ladies. And how do they get in contact with you here and uh, internationally? Is there, do you have some international numbers as well? We, it's an 800 number. It's 1-800-439-2323. Um, it's a 24-hour hotline. It's staffed um, 24 hours a day. And we'll talk to people, survivors from anywhere. That's great. And they could also um, email us. Yes. Yep, they can email us. At, um, they can go to our website, hopeandjusticeproject.com, and there's a contact form. 
That's great. Well, thank you, ladies, for joining me today, and I'll end the broadcast today in prayer. So, Father, we thank you that this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And, Father, we um, pray for every woman across this globe that is caught in oppression. We declare and decree freedom over them in the name of Jesus. You said, Lord, we have not because we ask not. And we ask you, God, today that you would um, draw them, give them a way of escape, that you would help them, Lord. Uh, we pray you strengthen them from the inside out. We ask you today, Lord, that you would be God um, and show yourself strong. Lord, your word tells us that um, we are to walk in love and we are to walk in uh, unity. And wherever there's unity, there is a blessing. But today, God, we ask you that um, that unity would come together with, with love and peace and joy. God, you said that you've come to give us life and life more abundantly, according to John 10, 10. And we declare and decree that from the crown of Maine to seven continents of the world, we say, this is your portion. And so, Father, uh, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you honor. And we give you glory. I thank you for the work that this hope and justice is doing. And we uh, pray, Lord, that it would expand, that you would expand its territory, that its tent pegs would be far-reaching. To you be the glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, ladies, for joining me today, and tune in again next week for another broadcast of Destiny Moments.